0: My guest today is Michael Hamelberger. Every once in a while, I like to bring on somebody that is in sales, but not necessarily in technology sales or specifically um, not in IT or uh, SaaS sales. So Michael, during our discussion, Michael shared an interesting story of going from being an accountant to a sales rep, which was uh, very much an intentional progression for him. Uh, we talked about being authentic with your sales approach and how that plays out in your sales process. Uh, he shared examples of being vulnerable with clients and how that has helped lower the customer sales barrier. Uh, and we touched on many other topics. I, th- I think you'll enjoy the episode. I do want to thank all the loyal listeners. If you have enjoyed the show, I have a favorite ask. I would really appreciate a five-star rating and a comment in whatever app that you use. If it's Apple, just scroll to the bottom, you'll find it. It really does help get the show more visible to more people. Thank you very much. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Well, Mike, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Just to clarify, my guest today is Michael Hamelberger. Welcome. How are you doing?
1: Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. As a way of just getting started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. I live in Baltimore, Maryland, married. I have six kids, Wow, That's a lot, I know, I get that a lot. And I have been doing sales for about 10 years. So I started out as an accountant in an accounting office locally here, and I wanted to get more into sales. I had done things like jewelry. I tried selling jewelry. I wasn't very good at it. I tried selling credit card processing and wasn't very good at it, and I decided that It's really not for me. I'm very bad at this. I have to choose something else. But I decided to go back and give it a third try, but this time more tactically speaking. So I did training and I had a sales coach and I really transformed the way everything was done. And that transformed everything and it became a complete game changer. So I just adapted. And now I took a lot of those principles. I read a lot. I spoke to a lot of people and I've formed a new process that really works for, it works for everybody but i find that works for a lot of people who may never have considered themselves the typical i'm born to sell things.
0: So you just so you were an actual an accountant and you decided that you wanted to become a salesperson and what why why make that move?
1: I was once at an internship with a wealth management guy and we were really good friends and he was very much like me. We just more introverted, but he was so confident in how he spoke and he was so good at it. And I asked him like, how did you get into selling? Like you, you would never think that that's something that you do. And he said, I wasn't. And it was only after I got training and I got a coach and I had learned about the Sandler sales method. And I just love it. And that really was like something that sat in the back of my mind as something that I really got to look more into this.
0: That's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people sort of stumble into the sales role. It ends up being maybe a job they get out of college. They end up getting maybe an inside sales role and, you know, it just, they just kind of evolve into it. You decided, I want to go do it. I want to completely change the career that I have and become a salesperson. So you went, signed up for a class, started taking some training and developing your own process. What was the first sales job then you had as you transitioned out of accounting?
1: was selling accounting services was my first job with that process. So I was accounted accountant at this firm. And what I did was I went to the owner and I said, I want to do more sales. And he said, why? And I said, because honestly, I want to make more money. I think there's more opportunity there because I like the company, but I had a kid on the way or I had a second kid on the way. I don't even know anymore, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I'm really interested in investing and doing good at this. But what I want to do is I want to start taking sales training and I want to hold myself accountable to it. So tell me what your expectation would be to be successful in this role and let's make a deal. So he said, I would expect two new clients a month. I said, fine. So if I can get you two clients a month for the next 12 months, to 24 new clients, will you pay for my sales training? And he said, absolutely. But what if you don't? I said, I'll pay for it myself. And he said, Okay. So we started on July 1 of that year and like December 3rd, I got my 24th client closed. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the best feeling was that we were in a meeting, he had a client or a prospect that he was working on for months and he couldn't close them and they needed an, they needed an accounting firm and they just, every meeting he would go to, it would just drag on and on. He was getting so frustrated and I was doing my own thing. So we weren't really doing any sales together. And I said, "Do you want me to tag along? Maybe I can do." He's like, "Whatever, you know. If you can get this, if you can get this deal closed, like, absolutely." And we were at the meeting, and it was more dragging on. They were they were nitpicking in the contract, and they were trying to figure out the terminology and when the start date and the cost. And I was just sitting quietly because I was the youngest person there, and i had the new person in the scene. And I'm also not very um, aggressive. I'm not very outspoken, so I kind of waited for a lull in the conversation. And the guy's name, incidentally, was Chris. And I said, Chris, can I get a second here? And he's like, what do you want? And I said, I, I don't really know. I know you guys have been doing this for a while. I just came in. So maybe I'm missing some context. But do you really actually want to go forward with us? Because if not, it's fine. And my boss looked at me. He's like, what are you doing? Like killing the deal. Like it wants to kill me, look. And the guy's like, no, I'm ready to sign. I just don't know about the price. I said, Is the price the only thing that we're talking about here? He said, "Actually, you know what? It's fine. Here, give me the contract." And he signed it right there. And my boss had like this look of like like I like got some sort of like dark magic just happened in the room. And ever since and that was the point where he's like, "You're in charge. I'm done. I'll take care of this. You take care of this. Like this is amazing. Whatever you're doing, do more of it."
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's funny. Well, I'm curious. So Since you were already in that space, did that make the transition in the accounting space, did that make that transition easier to jump right into selling kind of what you had already known?
1: No, there's something that we have talked about called the dummy curve. Are you familiar with that?
0: Uh, Vaguely, I've heard, I think I've heard of it.
1: The dummy curve is when, when you're brand new in the job and the example given is imagine like you're working at Home Depot and somebody comes in and they want to buy a new light bulb. You know you don't know much about light bulbs, so when you ask questions, you know you don't know the answers, so you're very humble. And the more expertise you get, you start diagnosing the problem faster and faster. Now you're the expert in light bulbs. The first person comes in, and the second they say light bulbs, they go, I know exactly what you want. And you hand them a light bulb, and you go, I got your problem for you. And you might think that you're better at your job because you diagnose it so much faster, but you've lost the connection with the prospect because you've already, I know what you want before you do. Instead of asking and really trying to understand them, they feel understood, you just solve the problem for them. And now you've lost. So you're almost worse at your job because you got so much better. So there's a delicate balance of you have to know enough about it. You also have to know enough that you don't know the answers to the questions before you start asking them.
0: You know, what's fascinating about your, your process is I think a lot of people, and this is an assumption on my part, so I totally recognize that. But I think a lot of people, as I said, kind of stumble into a sales role. They start working. They build up habits, good or bad, then they go take some Sandler training or some other training, and then they're trying to adjust or fix the things that they've done. You kind of right out of the gate, it was like going, taking your college course, then going and starting the the work. I'm sure there's a little bit of of initial selling that was happening in parallel, but you didn't have any bad habits yet. So you had that foundation to jump from, which is, I think, just a little bit different than the typical sales track.
1: The first job I had, I mentioned briefly, was selling jewelry. It was a wholesale jewelry company and they were based in New York. And when I came there on site to the showroom, they were showing me the pieces and they were telling me how they work and how they sell. And the advice that they gave me, the, the coaching was, if you go, you go in the front door and if they kick you out, you go back into the back. And that was like, this is how sales have to work. And Daniel Pink writes in his book, "To Sell is Human. He has this... um, Word cloud, which is they ask thousands of people the first word they associate with the word sales. And usually it's negative, it's sleaze, it's pushy, it's aggressive. It all these words that we don't like, it makes you feel like you want to take a shower after hearing it. And I was always like, first of all, of all professions, sales has an extremely high attrition rate. People are just like, I hate this job because nobody wants to be in a job where you're doing, you feel gross about yourself afterwards. Right, like, it's just you feel gross and you feel like I hate myself, and that's what happened with me. When I was trying to sell jewelry and people are saying no, and I was like, "Is that a firm no?" And they're like, "Get out!" <laughs> I, it's horrible, and I I have a real need to be liked. I don't know about you, but I I don't like to be rejected a lot. It's not fun. Yeah, especially when you're getting like you know hung up on the phone and saying, "Stop bothering me, take me off your list." So it's like there's got to be a better way. Almost like you're watching one of these like infomercials, and there is. So. You're right, getting the bad habits is really hard to unlearn them. But at the same time, we all want to be better at our job and we all want to feel better about ourselves when we're doing this job.
0: Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full size coffee cup, a Yeti or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter. Yeah, so you've now you've been doing this for 10 years and you're doing some training as well. As you have ramped up your sales career, what are some of the You know, key lessons, and you might have touched on a few of them already, but what are some of the key lessons that you've learned that really have created the foundation of how you work day in and day out?
1: There's so many lessons. That's a good question, Chris. Lesson number one, and I can't stress this enough, is you can do everything right. You can check every single box. You, if you had like a referee managing your grading your skill set, like your sales manager's watching you, you can score a hundred percent and you still might not get the deal. Because at the end of the day, the decision making is not in your control. It's a metaphor for life. Just because you did everything right does not necessarily guarantee with each individual case that it's going to work out the way you want it to. And sometimes you can do an absolutely terrible job and you still might get the deal. The best analogy for sales and for life really is poker. Texas Hold'em. Are you familiar with that game? Sure. Yeah. Right? It's not about if you judge each individual hand by the the way it turns out, you're going to be getting the wrong ideas about life because it's about overall the processes. That if you do the right processes, you are going to win the game. And if you do this right sales actions, you might not win each individual deal, but you are going to be very successful over time. But at the end of the day, the decision making in each individual deal is really not in your control. And you have to be okay with that. Just because you did it right does not mean the answer is going to be yes.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. um, I've seen that just in my own personal career. And I've always been a big believer that You know, there's times where, you know, we've all maybe you've experienced a a deal that just was kind of easy. You know, it sort of just worked out. You know, maybe you even had a bluebird, you know, love when that happens. It doesn't happen very often, though. But I've always been very appreciative of the process because to me, it averages out those times where I have done a ton of work, did all the right things, like you said. And maybe for some reason we didn't get the deal. And so sometimes you're getting rewarded later for the stuff that you did earlier. It's just a little bit of karma, I think. But you know, if, if you keep doing the work, you keep building up the skills, keep getting better day in and day out at the craft, um, yeah, you'll be incredibly successful.
1: It also keeps you from getting too high after closing a deal. Like, I'm so freaking awesome at my job. But also, more importantly, when you don't get a deal and you feel like you should have and... Definitely, it happened to me early on, and I'm sure it happens to a lot of people, and it'll still bother me, but like, if I lost the deal because the person did something wrong, I'm mad about it for weeks. I'm just like, I can't get over this. I need a beer. I need, I'm, I'm out. I, I'll tell you a story that just recently happened where we had a sales, I had a sales meeting with a client, and I was referred in by a friend. He was on the meeting as well, and that part plays an important role also. And what happened was we were talking about the need and we were going through the playbook, going through the steps and everything was checking off boxes because we start off very early on making sure this is the right fit. This is, the answer might be a yes, it might be a no. These, this is a non-pressure situation. If the answer is no, we're fine with that. If we get through, we check all the boxes. Every hurdle we kind of clear, everything's great. It's all matching up. We talk about budget. And I said, right now what we're discussing, we're looking anywhere between 12 to $1,500 a month. Now it's funny. She's like, "Oh, twelve hundred dollars a month," because people latch on to the lower number, even though I didn't say that. And she repeated it three times a meeting, like twelve hundred a month is really great. And I was like, twelve to fifteen, but okay. She's on twelve and twelve and twelve, and she's like, "This is great. I can't wait to see the estimate." I said, "So you know," and we end off the meeting that what we're gonna do is here's what I need from you. Here's what I'm gonna do. Let's let, and we're gonna meet next Monday with the information with the actual number because it's not exactly twelve hundred. And we're gonna see. And then if the if everything is working, we'll go from there. And you can tell me what you'd like to do. Great, everything checks off. He's on the meeting as well, and we have the meeting scheduled for Monday morning. So Monday morning we get on the phone. He's not there, and we're all happy. She's telling me about her cats. She really liked cats. And what happens is, I said, okay, so I went through the numbers, and here's what I'm coming out with: is thirteen seventy nine a month, which is pretty good. You know, pretty close to twelve hundred. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe you know, she. And I said it's probably going to be a little bit lower. I'm I'm conservative. This is a very conservative number, estimating for worst case scenario situation but I think it's well within what we talked about. She's like, wait, $1,379, I'm, you told me $800 a month. And I'm like, are, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I wrote down in my notes. You said $800 a month. This is way too high. Right, now talk about an unexpected like bomb in the middle of the meeting. Like, oh, the reason why I brought the third person in the meeting, I asked him, like, what, did, what, what was the number we discussed? He's like, you told me, you said between 12 and 15. I said, and what was her reaction? And he said, she's cool with that. I said, okay, I'm not crazy. I was like, no, why? And I told him what happened. He's like, you never said $800 a month. So I'm not crazy. We covered that part out. Right. So back to this meeting, she's like 800. I, I, there's no way I can afford thirteen seven. We're no, we're not even close. And I said, sounds like it's a no, right? She's like, yeah, I think so. I said, it's fine. Not a problem. And we hung up. So I know you're the host over here, but what would you do if that happens to you, Chris? Put you on the spot a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it, uh, you know, I might go back, and you know, I I come from more of a complex technical sales world. So, um, you know, if I was to translate it back to that, I'd probably go back to kind of the business value, kind of statement and document and problem we were solving, and just kind of walk through. All right, let's just, you know, just to recap. I understand. I mean, if if the budget's not there and you can't you can't afford it, but you know, this is what we talked about. This these are the challenges you're having. This is some of the impact to the business of doing nothing. And, you know, you're, if you're not spending the money here, you're spending the money or it's costing you elsewhere here. You know, maybe there was a compelling event where, you know, there's going to be a hard change that was going to force something. And, you know, there's going to be a cost to that. Sometimes there's a cost to delay. So a lot of that w- would have been addressed early in the process, identifying really the cost of doing nothing.
1: Doesn't happen a lot, right? It's really not an, it's an unusual occurrence. And there are times where you can always try to be prepared like the scouts always tell us to be. But there are things that are happening that are unexpected and you just don't, we're going to fluster. And as good as me and you may be, we're still making mistakes. We never can ever stop learning because we're always going to mess up in the levels. And I definitely acknowledge that I probably did something wrong. And that's okay because it's it's not about, nobody bats a thousand. Yeah, It's not about, you don't have to bat a thousand to be good at your job. You can bat 600 and be amazing at it. So we make mistakes. We could say, what did I do wrong? Should I have done something different? If I didn't, maybe she's crazy. It's okay, by the way. We can't get over this thing and let it ruin our week. It happens. Some go, some go, whatever. It is what it is. But you can't control what happens on the other end of the phone or the other side of the table.
0: And that's why you build a pipeline. That's why you, you build a coverage. pipeline,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. But they're fun to talk about.
0: Yeah. Well, so you... um. Switching gears a little bit, you had had a post that when I was doing some research, you had talked about a process of uh, companies and people offering complimentary reviews, free reviews. You know, we'd even do those in our business. We'll call them assessments. And I, I, you had some interesting thoughts on that. Do you care to expand?
1: Yeah, this is one of my uh, uh, new topics because I was getting pitched on LinkedIn by a guy offering me a, I never met this person before. And sometimes people like reach out for a connection based on a very flimsy, uh, "Hey, me and you both live in Maryland. We should connect." Like, okay, you sure that wasn't me? They <laughs> <laughs> so find something that are very, and then they, and then like you connect with them, and then eight seconds later they're straight on sales pitching you. I wonder how successful they are. I suspect not very successful. That's another topic, by the way. But his his thing was, "Hey, wouldn't you love a complimentary review of all your?" of your life insurance policy, as if I want to give you something nice. Like, hey, I I'm am I'm, I'm just want to be nice to you and offer you something for free. And what I, it got me thinking was like, this is the complimentary review that you're calling it, the name that you're giving it makes it sound like you're giving me something like, hey, you want a free complimentary continental breakfast? Like, sure. Right. But you're not giving me anything. You're making me work. You, I know you're trying. There's a sales pitch coming because I know what's not going to happen is you're going to say, you're great. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness you were here. It's a sales pitch, and it's a fine. You're lot of sales pitch people. That's, we all do the same thing. But stop pretending that what you're doing is offering me something of value as opposed to what it's doing is I'm, need, I'm trying to give, pitch you a service which you may or may not need. So we call it by a different name, and you're right, assessments are bit different. And pointing out the need for reviewing life insurance is really important. I have life insurance. So if somebody would say to me, you have life insurance, by the way? And you'd say, yeah, I do. I got some. And I'd say, how often did you review it? Have you?" And I'd say, oh, six years ago. Okay. Do you know that every five years things drastically change and there's a good chance that you're eligible for this and this and this? And I'd say, oh, I'm going to say, would it make sense to take 25 minutes to check it out? And I'd say, yeah, let's do it. Completely different game, even though we're essentially getting to the exact same place because you're being honest with what you're doing. But If I'm at a bakery and I give you a free sample of a food, I'm giving you something that you'd like. You may like it, you may not. This is not the same thing. So I kind of got on my soapbox about I'm not a big fan of it. And I want to see what other people think about that. And most people are kind of like, yeah, I agree with you. Except one guy's pitched me again with it. He's like, well, here's what I do. I offer you a free diagnostic. I'm like, stop it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's we all know why it's being done, right? It's being done be, so you can then say, all right, here's what we've identified and here's what you need to go work on. And by the way, we happen to be able to provide that and we can solve that. Um, so it's a little, uh, it's, it's not very authentic. And I think as, you know, as we kind of move into the next era of selling, people want more real approaches. They want more authentic selling. Um, I would argue just even more direct communication.
1: Yeah, but you're right. Direct communication, like David Sandler says, people hate being sold. They love buying. They hate being sold. The minute I feel like you were trying to sell me something, especially when it's done like that, I go into a place which we refer to as a zone of resistance, which means I'm putting up walls, some bar- barriers and barricades around me from preventing you from selling me because I don't want you to sell me anything. And when I hear commentary review, free site audits, I'm like, defense, and your job is much harder now. If I feel like that purpose of this is you're trying to sell me, but you're not telling me you're selling me, and it's not, there's a lack of transparency over here then my defenses go way up and you're kind of wasting your time because you're not doing it in the smart approach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, um, I had a guest on last week. Uh, the episode hasn't, uh, actually it'll come out right before yours. Uh, Brian Burns, he's got a very successful podcast out there, but he calls it the sales rep zone, right? you you know, our goal is we need to get out of the sales rep zone, uh, to really connect with your client. Well, uh, Michael, as we wrap up, uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience?
1: So one thing I love to tell people, a, there's so many lessons, right? Having a process and making sure expectations are managed. Um, but since we talked about honesty and transparency, the idea is like that people, somebody says that like he ever get a call and he'd say, hey, I just happened to be in the neighborhood when I know that's not true. You're not helping yourself. You might think that these little harmless white lies are good because they get me in the door or you put on your subject line RE, like regarding, so I'll open your, it'll seem like it's in the middle of a conversation that you're not helping yourself by being, by not being transparent. The best thing you can do is to be vulnerable. Like I'll use an example of like a LinkedIn post I'll put out. When I put out a post that makes me vulnerable, like I'm the guy who did something wrong. I get so much more engagement from people because they want to help. If I would start a meeting with, I might, I've never done this before, or I'm very, I'm very nervous to be here. The other person in the meeting is not going to be aggressive. They're going to help you much more because we want to help people and we don't, we don't see you as an adversary. We all of a sudden see this person as a human being. And that is the best way to have a productive conversation. And that's when sales actually want to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. uh, I mean, so many reps use the, I'm going to be in the area line. And uh, I was actually just reaching out and I'm trying to meet up with a, uh, a director or VP and you know, somebody else, I, I heard somebody else talk about this. And so it was just top of mind at the, at the time. And I was just, you know, very direct that, look, I'm, I'm coming out to to meet with you. You know, you're an important client and I, I you know, I'd like to sit down with you. And, you know, there's no, I'm going to be in the state. I'm going to be in the area. So I'm coming out to meet with you, period. Exactly. Well, um, Michael, so uh, you have a business called Sales Therapy. Do you want to share just a couple, a quick minute on that before we wrap up?
1: Break the rule that we talked about before. So sales therapy, we like to coach people who are, let's say, they don't feel comfortable with that process. They'd much rather feel comfortable with the technical things that they do well. So example, a podcast guy, I love doing podcasts, doesn't like doing sales. Their dream is, I have a brilliant VP of sales who's going to handle everything for me. And I'm just going to operate the opposite of business. We work with people to not change who you are, be your actual authentic person with your same personality and be really successful at sales because a, you're doing the right things, you're saying the right words, you're learning about what it is that you're doing. We're not trying to change you and pretending to be somebody we're not. One thing that we do with people, and this is a sales pitch, is that we sit down with you for one hour and just break down, we do an audit of your process. So a couple of things we might you might like and not like, and that's it. There's absolutely there's some pressure to be to turn that into a more, longer engagement because that's what we're trying to do. But it's really helpful for people, even if that's all they have. So if people want to learn more or they're just curious to pick our brains, they can totally hit me up, and we'll set something up on the calendar and go from there.
0: Yeah, and you know when a, I've had guests or other people in my network offer up things like that, right? Just a, a review call like that. In fact, I did a call with a gentleman that uh, he is a podcasting service for pod. He is a service for podcasting. And so I did a, a 30, 40 minute call with him and I didn't contract with him for any of his services, but he was referred to me. And so we had a call and he checked out a couple of things in my podcast and, you know, he made some great suggestions. And every time I do one of those, whether or not I engage or contract or buy services from that person or company, I always learn something or walk away with a tidbit of information. So I'd suggest that you take uh, Michael up on that. Uh, Michael, we'll have your LinkedIn link in the show notes. Uh, is there another way that somebody should reach out if they would like to connect?
1: Um, the website is greatsalestherapy.co. That's probably the best way to go with us directly, and uh, reaching out through there is probably what I'd recommend.
0: Sounds good. Well, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here.